one of you is the monster. Monster? We're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... A A Very very British British Horror. And welcome back. We've just had a lovely summer holiday. We have. And now it's rainy and cloudy again, and it's time to get back to some British horror. Yep. So, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're talking about one of the very last Hammer films. Um, Certainly the last Hammer film for its director. We are talking about Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Excellent. So, as you say, this is one of the, the later Hammer films. Not quite the last, but one of the later ones. And it definitely was the last film for director Terence Fisher. Yeah. Hammer's number one director and the director of I think pretty much every Frankenstein film that Hammer put out. Um, not yeah. quite. Not not quite. No, not not all of them. There was one. One that he, he didn't direct, I would say. Oh, I've got an introduced a facts digital thing. I'm gonna yeah. have to look this oh, up. No, you keep talking, I'll look this up. Right. So you're doing a Good job on your introduction. My, my feeling is that Terence Fisher um, directed... He didn't do Horror of Frank... Is it Horror of Frankenstein? No, that was Jimmy Sangster. Yeah, so he didn't do that one. No. But um, He did do Curse of Frankenstein, the very first one, the very first Hammer Horror. Uh, a lot of people would say the very first Hammer Horror. Um, in, back in 1956, he then made the sequel, which was Revenge of Frankenstein, in 58, I think. Um, yeah. I'm actually, I've got in my head now that Evil of Frankenstein was Freddie Francis. Uh, Paul will be checking that. I'll uh, check in a minute. And then there was Frankenstein Created Woman. That was Terence Fisher, I'm sure. Yeah. Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Definitely Terence Fisher. Some kind of weird parody called Horror of Frankenstein, which was Jimmy Sangster. But then Terence Fisher comes back for the um, the grand finale, the very last one, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. No, you missed one. You missed two. I missed two. Two Frankenstein films directed by Terence Fisher. Alright, go for it. So, right, so we got. Yeah, so he did The Curse of Frankenstein, he did The Revenge of Frankenstein. Yeah. He did. Um, hang on. Not that I'm just, just scrolling down a list. This, this is he did Frankenstein Created Woman. Yeah, I thought he did. Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, and I, then this one. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I did I did say that whilst you were scrolling, and he didn't direct Evil of Frankenstein, presumably. No, no, that's not on the list. Excellent. So that probably was directed by Freddie Francis, in there, or indeed any other yeah. person in the human race. Some other person we don't care about, for the purpose of this, this particular episode. Well, it's important to know where it fits in. No, yeah. So, so some, some context, so obviously Curse of Frankenstein was right at the start and launched the whole well launched Peter Cushing's career at, yeah. uh, in films and Christopher Lee's too but Christopher Lee never came back to the Frankenstein franchise um, and the film's kind of um, Revenge of Frankenstein was a direct sequel very good film um, yeah. and then Evil of Frankenstein was different the, yeah. wasn't a sequel well I mean it was was a sequel, but it didn't actually follow on in any way narratively uh, from Revenge. No. The Baron in it is quite different. I've got a feeling that in Evil of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's basically a good guy. Yeah, I can't remember. It's a, I, I, looking at it, I, I have to say I'd completely forgotten about that one. It's generally considered it's to be direct, bad. It's directed by Freddie Francis. Yes! So, well done. <laughs> Thank you. It's generally considered <laughs> to be quite bad, I think. Um, but then Frankenstein Created Woman um, is obviously Hammer's version of Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. But it's quite sort of low-key. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's a strange film. Um, then Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. That's the first of the Hammer Frankensteins I ever saw. And one of the real Hammer horror classics. I like that one. And, and uh, Baron Frankenstein is a complete psychopath. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's absolutely... He's he's not an anti-hero. He's just he's just totally yeah. ha- the full-on Hannibal Lecter. And um, th- then for some reason, H- Hammer decided to sack Peter Cushing, hire Ralph Bates to play the the Baron, and did this horror Frankenstein thing, which is some sort of comedy, sort of semi-comedy yeah. version of 
uh, remake of Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, it has... It, it has a connection to this film. It's got David Prowse playing the creature, or the monster. Um, and this film, Frankenstein the Monster from Hell, um, saw Terence Fisher come back. Yep. Uh, he was quite an old and sick man by this time. And Peter Cushing come back to yeah. play Sting. And... <laughs> Um, and of course Shane Bryant was playing uh, Stuart Copeland and Madeline Smith played Andy Summers no am I getting confused because of the bride you are getting a bit confused <laughs> yes <laughs> okay see I didn't know I didn't get your reference then because I have completely forgotten about that other <laughs> film you just mentioned there <laughs> well yeah <laughs> yeah and it, what a pleasure it was to watch a proper Frankenstein film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Now, uh, this is an interesting point before we sort of get going. Okay, yeah. um, and and I, not having seen Frankenstein must be destroyed for quite some time. Is is um, Does this have continuity to, to that film? To the ending of that film and what happens in the end? N- not particularly. I think... Do you, know what, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't you're know talking about his hands? Yeah. So, well, I, th- I think he just, he, he just they, gets trapped in a burning building yeah, at the end of Frankenstein yeah. Must Be Destroyed. Apologies for the spoilers. There'll be lots of spoilers in this podcast. Um, but in Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, he's not noticeably suffering from having died in the fire, apart from his hands are quite badly scarred, and it's a a plot point that he can't uh, perform surgery anymore. Intricate surgery. He can do kind of basic stuff, can't he? Indeed. The sort of more, the less fiddly bits. Uh, um, oh, no. Um, ah, I'm glad, glad you say that. No, he can't. It's he, it's not actually him that performs the basic surgery. It's... Oh, Angel. yes, of course, yeah. Um, although he does, he, he does assist in a very famous scene, which actually... Um, is missing from some cuts of the film. Yeah. But the, the, there's a very famous scene where he assists the um, the repair of the creature surgically, um, but he can't use his hands, so he uses his mouth to hold the um, to, to hold the uh, thread. Well, uh, yeah. well, Shane Bryant, who plays Simon Helder, um, a kind of protege, um, hold, is actually stitching up yeah. the, the uh, some kind of uh, artery. That's right. So do you want to give a sort of um I don't know if you want to give a brief overview of what this film is about. I'd, I'd, I would like to do that. Before we I'm start rambling on about specific I, bits. I do warn you now that the first character name I'm going to give you is a lie. Anyway, so the film opens up with Doctor Who robbing a grave. <laughs> <laughs> he's not actually called Doctor Who in this, but it's Patrick Troughton, and you know he's playing Doctor Who. Yeah. Well... Say, kind of I say that. Cockney alcoholic great woman, <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah, basically Doctor Who, yeah. Hey, look, Doctor Who could be anything. So that's the great thing about Doctor Who. Yeah, that would be fine. It could be anything. And um, grave robbing alcoholic Doctor Who um, is confronted by a policeman, but um, escapes, gets the body back to this young, um, this young doctor, medical student guy, who we find out is called Simon Helder, and says, here's your body, and... Uh, Thanks for the money. Then Doctor Who runs to the pub to to drink his um to dr- drink his earnings. I said he was an alcoholic. Um, and then he gets apprehended by the police. He drinks snaps. Yes, this is same search for Europe. <laughs> which, which seems quite. That's always something I, I thought was a bit more of a posh drink. Well, not not here and not uh, in central. This is a bit non non specified <laughs> central European yeah. location. It's yeah. quite a clever little detail that that it's snaps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, having been dobbed in by alcoholic grave robbing Doctor Who, um, Simon Holder gets arrested. He gets put on trial for sorcery, found guilty. And the judge goes, this is just like that Baron Frankenstein, who I also already sentenced to the same <laughs> thing. And um, so Simon gets committed to a mental asylum. And... Um, we go to the mental asylum, and it's all the gods are all cruel. The director of the asylum is some mentalist called uh, Kraus, yeah. And um, then 
Simon Helder meets um, the head the the, the, the uh, head doctor yeah. uh, at the asylum who is Doctor Victor, but who isn't really. Who is actually Baron Frankenstein, who's cleverly faked his own death and taken over the yeah. asylum to which he was committed. Faked his own hair as well. Oh yes. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> let's do that now. Yeah. Uh, he, he's wearing this hilarious wig, which oh, <coughs> he 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 famously um, said it made him look like Helen Hayes. Um, it's just the wig we've already seen yeah. from, and now the screaming starts. It's uh, I think I think it suits him, but it is a bit obviously not his own hair. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so but he's in disguise. So <laughs> he's in disguise. Sense. That does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it could possibly be Baron Frankenstein, not yeah. with that lovely mop. No, he's like Baron Frankenstein had yeah. less hair, <laughs> much more male pattern baldness. This, this guy, he's got a full head of hair. That can't be him. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got to remember these are in the, the days when you know they didn't have um, police composite sketches and, and photo fits and, and CCTV and all this kind of stuff. Or so people who remembered the faces of people they'd yeah, met. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. It was memorable in Eastern Europe at that time that, that you could only recognise people by their hair. <laughs> that, yeah. that was quite a common thing. I, I've never seen anybody ever disprove that notion. Nope. <laughs> That's because it was true. Could well be. You're virtually invisible. If you sh- basically, if you shaved your hair off, that was it. You were pr- practically invisible. No one would notice you at all. There are so time. many facts in this podcast sometimes. It's actually <laughs> scary. This is true. Go and look it up on, on uh, the, the website. <laughs> Paul's web of lies. <laughs> <laughs> com. Yeah. <laughs> These facts aren't true. Com. <laughs> anyway, if we can return to the film now. Yes, so pretty much immediately Dr. Frankenstein recognises a kindred spirit and appoints uh, young Simon as his assistant. Um, He's already got uh, another assistant who's not a doctor, who's called the Angel. She's also Um, an inmate. Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Sarah actual name. Yes, played by uh, Madeline Smith. Yep. Um, And Mute can... Which means that she cannot talk. Yeah, no, that. I know what that means. Explain to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I decided to be patronising. <laughs> I don't know why either. <laughs> if, you, if you carry on with that, I can uh, demonstrate um, mute. <laughs> <laughs> Flick of a switch. Yeah, yeah, that would be fair actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, so Sarah doesn't get a lot of good dialogue being mute and. <laughs> Then uh, it's actually, you know, it's actually quite jolly um, until, um, well, Dr. Frankenstein, sorry, Dr. Victor's patients start dying yeah. and bits of them start going missing. Yep. And then, then I think that's, isn't that around the time when he takes Simon Helder into his, into his confidence and well, shows him his other project? I think I think yeah. Well, um, yes, his his personal project, which is um, obviously the creation of another creature. But, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't completely take Simon into his confidence so much as Simon finds oh, the entrance to he? his yeah, uh, right. to his laboratory and finds the creature, yeah. whom is um, a gigantic ape man. Yeah. Um, who has previously been introduced as a late inmate who was um, uh, a criminally insane Neanderthal. Yes. Um, called Snyder, I think. And um, his brain has been revealed as quite useless. He's been blinded as he died. Yeah. And uh, his hands have been destroyed and everything. So, um, Baron Frankenstein's special patients are, uh, are like a master craftsman a professor Conveniently. and um, uh, someone with really good eyes that might have made that one up the eyes come from somewhere don't they they do who who, who? Oh, I can't remember who, who the eyes belong to now I don't think it's someone with like super sight but there's no, no. <laughs> yeah um, so actually uh, yeah I don't think the eyes are that important actually but <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's the brain comes from the professor, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, they did the operation, and then the the monster's got a genius's brain and the yeah. and the hands of a craftsman, yeah. and uh, everyone's feeling really up and yay, we've done it, we finally cracked this, uh, you know, this Frankenstein thing, and uh, yeah, but then the monster goes, you know, crazy, yeah, and starts murdering people, and then that's. Then. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the monsters played by Dave Prowse. Dave Prowse. And I think it's really, really good performance. Yeah, given that he, he the costume he has to wear. Well, the costume's excellent. I think. Do you think? Yeah, comp- I mean the one the, the horror Frankenstein costume he had to wear, which is totally different. Yeah. It's just awful. It's just like a. He looks more like Rocky from the Rocky Horror Show, but with a flat head. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's circus strongman. Yeah. It's it's kind. Yeah. Apparently, it took a long time that makeup as well. But um, this is a full body suit. Yeah. With a rubber like a rubber mask, but you know, mostly it, it, it really it, works. The mask bit's okay. I think the the, the body part. It doesn't look. It looks a bit rubbery. Well, it, yeah, it doesn't look real, but it does look good. I think. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He, he is. He is, and he's really. Sort of obviously padded out as well. Yeah. I mean, Dave Prowse was a big guy, but he wasn't this big. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I think it's one, probably the best one since uh, since Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very good. And um, well, they'd sort of with the previous ones, they they'd sort of started to not bother making them look particularly monstrous. They were they were normal humans, weren't they? Normal. In a couple of the films, they were. Yeah. I, th- I think in um, Avenger Frankenstein, obviously yeah. Frankenstein created woman, but also Frankenstein must be destroyed. Yeah. They had a much yeah. more normal look. You're thinking yeah. of Freddie Jones, I suspect. Yeah. 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 Um, but then sometimes they did do the classic creature makeup as well, or variations on it. Yeah. They never went back to the kind of car crash effect of Christopher Lee, but that, no. um, they, I think they played a couple of times with making it look like the Karloff. Yeah, um, yeah, like Evil of Frankenstein, um, I think was made was funded by Universal, and so they did a variation on the Karloff makeup, which I hadn't been able to do before. It looked awful, yeah, though. yeah. And um, I think again in Horror Frankenstein, it looks like a a, a Karloff variation. I mean, I don't think they had they probably didn't have the rights to do it at this point. They just didn't care anymore. No, no. <laughs> they'd made enough Frankenstein films; it was fine. Uh, but then this this is. Um, in Monster from Hell, it's, it's a really quite it's an original take on it. Yeah, no, I think so. You know, I mean, like this kind of latter day Hammer, they made they made some disastrous decisions, but they they also did um, they also did put uh, new spins on things. Like this is a new spin on the creature. I'm thinking the the yeah. uh, if you Blood from the Mummies too, it's a totally different version of a mummy film. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to mix it up, but obviously, yeah. I mean, the, the genre was running out of steam. And, um, I think you, you can only really see that in the product, in the budget. This is not yeah. the great old days of Bray and Bernard Robinson no. design and actually, it looking there's, there's like a bit high budget. Talking about the budget, there's a bit in this where um, there's a couple of external shots. Of of the the asylum, they are hilarious, aren't and, they? And, and it's <laughs> the epic very, asylum very, very kit. Obviously model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, I originally watched this back back in May, and I watched the Blu-ray, and it's even worse on that. Um, I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Did you ever watch um, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Yes, yes. It reminded me of the hospital when they cut to the external <laughs> model of the hospital in that. It reminded me a bit of that. Yeah, but but that's that that is it. That, to be honest, I think budget-wise, that's that's about the only thing I think that really lets this down. And I think that they they know that they've got a bit of a tight budget, so they, it, it's it's quite confined to the to the asylum. Yeah, and and at presumably a number of sets that are, are redressed. So, and what what we've got is um, a John Elder script, Anthony Hines. Yeah, uh, script in other words. And I've been sort of critical of, of him at points because, you know, I felt that getting him to write the script was so you didn't have to pay an actual screenwriter to do it. And I think 
earlier on in in, in the Hammer days, there that was true. Adam yeah, Hines yeah. was a uh, just a Hammer producer, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, by this, I mean, he's long left Hammer by this time. He was um, professional scriptwriter, and his screenplay is really good. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a, a few layers to it. It sets things up and deals with them later. There's uh, quite interesting backstories and a lot of the characters. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really um, quite impressive. I, you do get the sort of kind of am-dram lunatics, but you get that a lot. I, mean, I being quite like the lunatics. The yeah, but honestly, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yes, no, I know what you mean. There's, um, uh, the other thing that you get in this film, and uh, that's not present in the other Frankenstein films so much is um, there's a lot more it's, this film is a bit more a, a lot more squelchy and gruesome than, than say some of the earlier ones I yeah think. that's true and, and there's a lot more kind of almost very dark slapstick humour with things being knocked over and uh, there's a bit right at the beginning with the policeman and I think doesn't he fall in a grave he does fall into the grave yeah, yeah and then uh, the, the bit right at the beginning as well where Helder's doing his bit with the eyeballs and they get knocked over and and, 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 and a few bits where that are like that that are deliberately gruesome the thing you were talking about where uh, Frankenstein's holding the artery with, with, in, his, in his teeth while they do the the surgery and there's there's a bit more of that sort of stuff but then you know it, it was the 70s so yeah yeah and I think it, you know it's it's not gruesome it's just a little bit more graphic and I yeah, think, yeah I think um, probably Frankenstein films have to go that way yeah but then some of the dialogue is quite sort of darkly funny as well you know, it's got a bit of sort of black humour to it yes I think. Yes, I, I agree with you. I think, think that's right. You don't get the kind of... If you go back to the 50s, you'd have yeah. Miles Madison in the scene, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Being a comedy bumper. Yeah. I mean, you've got that in um, in Dracula, and yeah. Hammer the Baskervilles, various other Hammer films. Yeah. But um, in the early days, I think now they've given it... By, by Monster from Hell, there are a few funny things but they worked more into the story there's not the comedy scene yeah yeah but i think that comes from just good writing there's um there's some there's some good um actiony bits as well i, I, I was thinking i mean the um uh, the, the, the there's a couple of fights in the laboratory nicely um nicely choreographed and kind yeah. of reminiscent of Classic Peter Cushing in Dracula dashing across with yeah. candlesticks and pulling the curtain down. There's kind of a there's kind of a, almost a nod to that when he's um, he kind of jumps up on the table and jumps on the creature's back. And yeah. Trying to um, to um, uh, yeah, that's where he's got and the, the sort of chloroform. Chloroform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and uh, that Peter Cushing performed his own stunt there. Yeah. It was, it was, it's, that's quite exciting. And then there's yeah. a um, uh, there's a scene where, uh, for various plot reasons, um, the creature goes after and kills Krauss, the director. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, that's a nod back to, um, well, again, ver- various um, Hammer films, but The Mummy, where yeah. he comes through the windows. And <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It's quite. It's quite. It's quite good. It's quite well done. I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Terence Fisher's done this before. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the scene at the end where the where the creature meets its fate at uh, the hands of the um, uh, the inmates. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of um, a little bit of King Kong in that, and yeah. um, with it made me think think of uh, Freaks as well, the Todd Browning um, film. Yeah, in, 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 in a little bit. Well, I say in a little bit. A little bit of a little bit of Night of the Living Dead in that as well. Yeah. Well, what with the you with um, yeah. with the uh, the intestines, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I should say though, I think obviously Freaks isn't set in the in the asylum, but um, no, no. <laughs> it, it's a circus freak show, isn't it? Yeah, and those characters aren't actually like mentally ill or anything. There, no, no. 
there. So this, it uses a, a slightly different effect to, to, to make you feel extraordinarily yeah. uneasy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. There's, I, there's that, that, I'm thinking of the sort of mob bit at, at the end where they all kind of mob together and. Yeah. It's kind of that, that same sort of mentality. But, but yeah, there's the sort of zombie films, I think, is a bit of an influence on that little scene as well. So. Yeah, so from that perspective, Terence Fisher's on the top of his game. And yeah. so we think John, John, John Elder's experience is telling. He's finally got yeah. quite good. Um, we've got Peter Cushing in, you know, what is a fabulous performance, isn't it? Because yeah. I've, I've talked about how, you know, the, the Baron's either blatantly a great guy or blatantly a psychopath. But in this... He is a classic anti-hero. He I, has I, noble-ish in, intentions, and he's got quite likable and charismatic yeah. at points. But he is also, he, well, I mean, he has crossed the line. He, he see, is. See, I still think he's a psychopath in this, but much more. It's much more subtle. Well, and he, he's much more uh, charming and. Well, you've got you the. See, he's not you've got psychotic. The thing. He says at a point. Um, I'd never kill anyone, and yeah. he doesn't actually do that. No, no. I mean, he he he, he kind of manipulates people to kill themselves. Yeah. But <laughs> kind of suggests that it might be a good idea to, to, to people. Yeah, well, I mean, with the the professor, he, he yeah. de- deliberately condemns him forever. Yeah. And even though he's perfectly sane, and um. <laughs> um uh, and lets him see that report in order that he'll be overcome yeah. with suicidal tendencies and kill himself to get his brain. But then in Curse of Frankenstein, he's um, just his professors come to visit and he just pushed, he him, pushed him over the stairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so he, he's off. I mean, in in, um, in Frankenstein must be destroyed. I think he's roaming the streets, murdering people. Isn't yeah. he? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> in this, it rains back yeah. from that. Yeah, and he's actually quite a good doctor as well. Yeah, yeah. you know he's got he's quite good with the uh, the inmates. So, um, but I, I, and, I, he, and his I'm friendship with um, um, Simon is genuine, and his yeah. nice treatment of Sarah is genuine, although he undermines it totally at the end. Yes, yeah. Um, no, he. Yeah, see that's what I mean about being a bit psychopathic. Because even with both of those characters, he he has he has a purpose for them. They're not he's not he's not being friendly to them because he likes them necessarily, but they they're useful to him. And that's kind of very much that's that psychopathic. Oh, uh, maybe sociopathic. Sociopathic. Yeah, I think so. He's totally driven. He's still obviously totally driven on his grand project to reanimate the dead. But But, that's still the focus. In this, in this film, that's become a tragic flaw because you know he's just he goes on about how I'm never going to give up and stuff. But it's kind of obvious he's never going to succeed. By the end of this film, when he's talking about starting again and. um, Sarah and Simon are just horrified. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, but then he's been through this bef- before. Yeah. The character has yeah. been through this a lot, lot of times before. He just goes on and on, an obsession, and on and on, not I mean, failing horribly in the yeah. chaos and destruction everywhere, <laughs> and he just goes on. And so that, yeah, um, that and that, it goes through just being psychopathic and just becomes. Uh, you, you know, almost a tragic hero, you know, yeah. A, yeah. a floor of a tragic hero. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you but, know, I mean, it's even right to go around yeah. killing people. At the but end, though, that's that that, uh, that obsession. That is that is. Oh I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. That's not. That's sort of still massively unhinged, and the fact that he can't see that that's not. It's not a good thing. Well, that's that what's, that's all. That what's happened? That's He's just but clearly I'm, focused on that one thing. What I'm admiring is the the, the way that he is quite likable, charming yeah, no, with that, and he's, yeah, ne- he's never he's never. Uh, um, oh, he's, a textbook mad scientist. No, he's he's actually fantastic, and you, like, you, I guess maybe in the same way that a character like perhaps Hannibal Lecter is can still be quite. Uh, you can kind of root for them a little bit and find them. Yeah. Interesting and uh, you know and, and quite likable. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of very similar to that, isn't it? I think you're right. 
that kind of thing. And you know, and and it helps that he's he's witty. He's you know he he just I mean, Cushing. I think this is one of his better sort of later performances. Well, it's so good he's to always, see him. He's always good, but I, you get with this, he really looks like he's enjoying himself. Well, we watched like The Beast Must Die yeah. and, and Now the Screaming Starts and he's, his purpose there is to explain what's happening. Yeah. And it's not really, no. it's not really a character and it's not really acting. It's just, he's not even... And he's, he's good in both of those. I know, but he's not even that central to the story. No. Um, and then you get to something like this where he's really flexing his acting muscles and yeah. he's really like obviously the title character and um, you just think how good he was. Yeah. So you know, I I I found I don't find him this good. Like um, if you go back to the Mummy again, where yeah. he just plays yeah. essentially the romantic lead in that. I don't yeah. it's, I don't really think he's that good at that sort of stuff. I yeah. like uh, this this kind of thing. Either as um. Uh, like, uh, Frankenstein with his villainous ten- tendencies, or um, Van Helsing with his noble tendencies, but but that kind of role, he's yeah, amazing. Um, Shane Bryant, who um, if we talk about him, he didn't make a lot of uh, horror movies. He started out in yeah. Demons of the Mind, which is a kind of awful film. Um, I think crossed over it's Hammer's attempt at an art house horror film, yeah. isn't it? Um and Terrible. he's also in Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. Yeah. And which is good. Yes. And he's good in this. And in fact it's obvious to me that he is playing Ralph Bates playing Simon Elder. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, um Ralph Bates who obviously Hammer Hammer elevated as a kind of leading man, um Late sixties, early seventies, culminating in his performance as Van Frankenstein, and then they dropped him a bit. And I think uh, Shane Bryant was another attempt to 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 make yeah. a to make a new star. Yeah, uh, it didn't work. I mean, obviously, you know, unless you really know about these films, you've never heard of no, Shane Bryant. No. But <laughs> I, I, he really is actually he's very really, good. He's really good at it, and yeah. I think he. Him and Peter Cushing do seem to have quite a, a, a chemistry going, which in that really, as well. really they, works. they play off each other. There's there's a fantastic bit which I really loved where um, it's quite it's quite early on where where I don't think he's entirely got they're not entirely they haven't entirely gelled as as a kind of couple yet. Yeah. Um, but um, there's one bit where where he makes some sort of lame fairly lame joke. Sort of pun, and and Frankenstein finds it hilarious. And oh, it's something goes, like, yeah. And then, and then, go on. Do you remember what something the, like you'll see and it's no, he'll see something yeah. like that, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 he laughs hysterically, and and uh, Shane Bryant just his character just says, "Well, it wasn't that funny?" Yeah. And there's a little bit of me that just thinks that just shows that sort of chemistry between them, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was was a bit ad libbed at some point. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also show. show I mean, I think it is showing a slightly more human side to yeah. Frankenstein, which you get in this film. Yeah, yeah. And it, that's the that's the point. That's the point. See, this is my my theory. Um, I, earlier on, I did a, a little while ago. I did mention to Chris that I had a a, a theory about this film. I hadn't forgotten. <laughs> my theory is is that it's. It's kind of like a a little bit of a romance film, and the romance is between Frankenstein and Helder, and and it's about them sort of. It, it's 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 sort of I thought it was quite classic romantic comedy, sort of plot lines where two guys, or two two people come together in odd circumstances and. Uh, there's a little bit of friction at the beginning, but then they they overcome it and they find this common common goal type thing. And then right at the end, near the end, they they sort of separate out. And it doesn't quite do the coming back together thing. But there's a little bit of a kind of bromance thing going between them. Not okay, that, that I, was a thing back then. Bromance. No, I can see that. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. 
Of course, Lastly um, follows that, and then, I, well, that's and then you see they're, 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 they're slightly torn, torn apart by an external third party, which is, which is the character of Sarah, because I think later on Helda has perhaps a little bit of a thing for her, not, not, it's not overplayed or anything, but with what happens later on and what Frankenstein sort of suggests he's going to do with her, um, which sort of split makes them kind of come apart. And if their film went on for a half an hour longer, there'd be a bit where they they rekindle their 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 love for each other and come together again and realise the error of their ways. Well, Fra- Frankenstein wants his creature to have sex with Sarah in order to make a baby creature. Yeah. Although I'm pretty sure that wouldn't work because no. that would just be a baby. It shows or, a shocking lack of actual science, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, quite a bad disregard for um, the law of consent. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and just people in general. <laughs> Simon doesn't really <coughs> doesn't really like this plan. No. He says something like, "As a scientist, I can appreciate your motives." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, but anyway, so then, but Simon sets, sets the finale into motion by trying to murder the yes. creatures to stop this from happening. Yeah. And um, yeah, in the end, Simon, uh, although it's a classic menage a trois, yeah, um, but I think he's leaning towards Sarah. Although you never see him actually choose, but he's leaning towards no. running off with Sarah. He does give her a kiss at one point. Yeah, but this is not the end. At the end, no, the end, they're all yeah. together. They're all together. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in a sequel, there would have been a bit more more of that, I think. I'm glad you mentioned it, because there is a sequel. <laughs> because um, I've discovered, using my, uh, my my powers of the internet, uh, i.e. Googling, that um, Simon Helder is set to return, <laughs> played by Shane Bryant, in a film called Sherlock Holmes vs. Frankenstein. And, um, no, this is a real thing. Um, it's on uh, Indiegogo now. It's uh, they've made they've they've raised over thirty thousand euros to make this. Um, That's not bad. Yeah, um, they've actually found someone who's a real Baron Frankenstein <laughs> to play Baron Frankenstein. I'm not even yeah. making that up. No. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So um, if if you if you well we'll we'll post the link, but. Um, it, it, I mean, there's a trailer on there as, as well, which is voiced by Shane Bryant, I believe. And um, you, you know, if if if, if um, you want to see that film, you can help to make yeah. that happen. You can do. But and it's not even that's not even the only time that Shane Bryant has played Helder again. It isn't. No. Um, You're referring to the yes intro. Again, we thing. can post the link. link I think to we this. may have already done this. I posted it on the Facebook page at yeah. some point. But um, yeah, so the reason why this this film came about in the first place and why we were planning on doing this was um, way back in May of this year, um, I went along to a screening of it, which was done in the cafe below, which is um, I forget the name of the church now, but it's it's in um, it's in the city of London, and it's um, St Mary Lebeau is at the church. I think that's her place in London, yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 the church, and it's like a little crypt cafe under the church. And what they did was they did a film, and they did a screening of the film. But there was a Q and A with um, uh, Madeline Smith beforehand, who, by the way, is excellent. Is and she's it? excellent in this. And, and um, uh, yeah, and so so we we had a sort of Q and A, a little bit of a there was a little bit of an interview with her about the film and various things. Um, before they started the film, though, the guys that were organising it, um, the Alan Smithy Cinema Verite, uh, they they do a podcast as well, but that's that's the, the name of the, the what would you call it group company or whatever that put, puts on these events organisation that puts these events on. That's a good word, and uh, and they, they they contacted Shane Bryant, who now lives in Australia and, and writes novels most of the time. Um, they they got in contact with him and asked him if he would do an intro to the film and he agreed and they gave him no direction in how he would do this at all um, and we'll, po- we'll obviously post the, the, the little 
little clip up again. But he did it as Simon Helder. <laughs> and it's actually it's actually quite entertaining. So so I'm beginning to think he actually thinks he is Simon Helder. Yeah, it could be. Because there can't be a lot of demand for Simon Helder films. No. <laughs> but, but he... We find, found a few references where he refers to himself as uh, Simon Helder. Yeah. But, um, you know... I was going to say we can't have more Peter Cushing as, as Baron Frankenstein, but there is a rumour now that, that he's coming back to play Grand Moff Tarkin yeah. in... Um, the Force Awakens. Uh, it's probably not going to be true, um, or, or, or if not the Force Awakens, then uh, the one after it, Rogue yeah, One, Rogue yeah. One. Um, um, but if it was true, uh, it'd be great to see Peter Cushing back in back back in our screens after just 20, yeah. 21 years dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, dead being dead doesn't seem to be a barrier to appearing in. Things. Nor, nor should it be. No. Um, so yeah. So where were we? Anyway, the, the event was really good. Um, I, I'm, I was very sorry to miss it. Yeah. I, I missed it with a football injury that turned out to be a ruptured Achilles tendon. Yeah. No, honestly, really, there's an MRI scan in it. You, no, you no, want to I see the MRI? No, oh. we won't post that on the Facebook. Page. <laughs> yeah, Chris's right. MRI scan. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was actually really good, and there was a bit of quite a bit of walking to get to the venue, so you would have uh, struggled. Um, but I went along, met uh, some uh, nice people there, which was good. Talked to a few people, spoke briefly to Maddie Smith, as she likes to, everyone to call her. See, I love her for this film, but also for the vampire lovers. Yeah, she had a good story about that. Was it? Was it? Was it a bit X-rated? Yeah, brilliant. And we'll leave it. <laughs> we'll have to try and get her on someone. If we do that film. We'll try and like, track her down. I'd love to do. It. I'd love to. She's do. very posh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but but quite quite funny. She'd be kind of. Um, she'd be be that kind of slightly slightly kind of uh, dotty mad aunt that you'd go and visit sometimes. If you were a little kid, I sort of, uh, I sort of was hoping she was exactly like she is in the Vampire Lovers, and that no, she's a little bit older, <laughs> but basically still looks the same. Yeah, that's a horribly sexist thing to say. It I apologise. I apologise. I just really like the Vampire Lovers. <laughs> anyway, move to your, move to your, move to Come on, come on. <laughs> Talk more about this, about Madeline Smith. Uh, I, I admire her as an actress. Now, yeah. uh, I think we have an email from Eddie. I'm not changing the subject <laughs> anyway, but don't we have an email from Eddie? <laughs> we have a couple of emails from Eddie. Anyway, can we talk about, <laughs> just before we get to those, let's let's talk about um, a little bit more about, about the cast, because there, there are some interesting cast things in it. If we talk about... Briefly get back onto Madeline Smith again. Uh, I think she does. <laughs> given that she doesn't talk in this, I think she did, does fantastic. I mean, I think she's got a great director, so that helps. But she's she does. Um, I think she does really well in expressing uh, various emotions without having to speak. I agree. She's a very talented actress, and, and I think I think yeah. That's very good. She's she was in a, a Bond film as well. I didn't know that actually. I can't remember which one. Let's not look it up. A small part in, in a Bond film. Um, yeah, so this good. But there, there's a couple of other interesting actors in this. So um, the director of the Asylum is played by a, a guy called John Stratton, who's who's very good in this. He is. And, he is good. And second obligatory Doctor Who reference of of the podcast. Um, he was in the two doctors, and he was a uh, shockite, and that the, you know the, the one oh, that keeps wanting to eat them. That was him. That was shockite. Yeah, do you know if you listen to the voice, it doesn't. You can see it once you once you know, but if you, it's a voice that gives it away. Yeah. So he's the one that, funny Scott. enough, goes off with Patrick Troughton, and, 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 and starts trying to and he just go on a bit of a sort of food binge. That story's also got the. Rep- the reptile herself, yeah. Jackie Pearson. Yeah. 
I, I think it's underrated. I like it. Yeah, Writ- yeah, written so. by Robert Holmes, who did yeah. that um, um, that TV show that we we also um, talked about a few episodes back. Yeah, that one. Yes, that, mem- <laughs> that memorable one. You yeah, know, the, the, final the return, flight. Return flight. Return flight, yeah. Not yeah, final see, flight. I didn't remember it. Final flight. Is that, that's, that's something else, isn't it? Final flight, as I believe, something the kids like. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so so uh, so he's he's pretty good. And I quite, I quite like um, his performance in this. I think he, he gets the level of slimy perviness spot on. Yes. Um, I hate it when people do that. <laughs> what? They make inappropriate remarks about actresses on podcasts. Oh, no, that's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm he's still talking about John Stratton. <laughs> yeah, no, he's what excellent. He's excellent. Uh, <laughs> so he's really great. But then, then you've also got... Um, you've also got the, the the guy that is it, Charles Lloyd Pack. Oh. Who's the professor. Yes. Is that right? Yes, you're right, yeah. He's the father of Roger Lloyd Pack, Only Fools and Horses, fame. Yes, and a great actor. And he's a great actor, and I'm sure he's in. I'm sure he was had a small part in one of the other films. Well, um, one of the top actors of his time. So yeah, but he's fantastic in that, and he's he's uh, great as the professor. Um, Does quite a, a subtle performance, I think. But then you've got. Bernard Lee, yes, crop up as uh, he's he's the guy who's the craftsman who makes the whose hands eventually become part of the creatures, which kind of surprised me a little bit because I I would have thought he was a a bigger star than to appear in a five minute part in this. Possibly the role was cut down. Yeah, but then but then I had a look at his IMDb stuff and he he didn't have he did I think I think. If those of you who can't remember, but I'm sure you can. Um, oh, second Bond reference. Mm. He he played um, he played M in in a lot of the Bond films. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and he was obviously quite well known for that at the time. This film was uh, was made and, and released. Just not well known enough to get a bigger part. But no, yeah, but he he's never been had any major parts in anything. He's always had sort of small smallish roles. But I just guess that M is quite a iconic. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I was quite surprised that he, he cropped up. Um, we've already mentioned Patrick Charlton. No, he who's Patrick Charlton? You mentioned <laughs> grey robbing alcoholic Doctor Who. <laughs> but that's totally separate. So um yeah no I don't I don't know that there's any uh I want to know what Eddie thinks about this film. Okay. We should do that. Right, talk about something else for a sec. I am a feminist. I don't know why I said that about Madeline Smith. We we could probably edit that out, but then we'd have to edit this out as well. So we'll probably leave it in. Anyone who's offended by anything that either of us I'm not going to edit that out. That's no, I know you're not. I know you're not. Um, luckily, I'd just like to apologise. Luckily, according to to our social media stats, most of our listeners are uh, males in the thirty to forty age group. So you might be right. What were you, you saying that men are sexist? No, I'm just saying you're just as bad as me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Eddie's Eddie's email. Okay. <laughs> Um, he sent us he sent us an email about about this film uh, before we we reviewed it, which was um, which was quite good. Um, I did read through it, but I, I did, didn't try not to sort of say anything too much about it while while we, we were talking about it. Okay. But he's uh, he, the subject we quite like. He, he's the subject is ah kidneys, mm, delicious. Which is one of those funny lines that you yeah. were talking about, yeah. Yeah. So. Two, a very British horror. Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell is better than I remember. The winning triad of Cushing, Fisher and James Bernard... Oh, I need to pause, I need to mention something about that later. 
are in place and creating that special atmosphere unique to Hammer films. Cushing, in particular, is in devilishly fun form as the mad doctor, trying yet again to create life from lifelessness. For a 60-year-old man, he is still able to jump on tables and wrestle monsters like he did 20 years prior. He does, however, look particularly gaunt and old, appearing more 70 than 60. His young assistant, played by Bryant, is also good in my opinion, smart, dedicated, but with a moral conscience Frankenstein had long lost. This movie is regarded by many as the weakest of the Cushing Frankenstein films. It is Cushing's last one, but I quite like it. Sure, it's no match for the original film with Lee, or for that matter the first few, but as I stated before, it still benefits from having the mastery of Fisher at the helm. Bernard with his distinctive score style and Peter Cushing completely at home in the Doctor's shoes. The monster was shocking, not shocking in the scary sense. A sort of Neanderthal Mike Tyson figure whose speciality is glassing people. Overall I liked it, especially the lovely stomach turning part when Frankenstein helps the young doctor in surgery by holding an artery in his mouth. Yum yum. All the best, Eddie. Now, I, he... I agree, I agree. I agree yeah. with I mean I I don't agree about the creature, but I do agree with everything else. Yeah. Know? Now getting back to what he said about James Bernard and the yeah. music in this, um Obviously, the previous sort of previous Hammer films, and this is a bit of a reflection of the film as a whole. I think it's got that. I think it has got that quite sort of down, slightly downbeat. It it feels like like um, it's got an atmosphere to it that feels like it's sort of coming to an end a little bit at times. Well, I think yeah, you know, that, that it's like the end of of. Frankenstein Just makes reference I mean, like, to the first creature he, yeah. he, he ever created and he goes, um, but that was so long ago. Yeah. Which I think is Fisher talking about his great success. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, everybody uh, in it, uh, you know, Fisher is at the end of his his career, really, and Hammer was at the end, coming to the end of the Hammer films. It just feels like it's a nice, it's got that kind of atmosphere to it that that kind of um, I'm trying to think of the right sort of word but it, it reflects in the film and like like you said there are some great action sequences but it's not kind of full on it's quite a yeah I, yeah, slow thoughtful kind of well, well, reminiscing type film almost in, in a way consider um, what had happened to Dr- Dracula because this was yeah. released in 74 which I think is the year of Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires yeah, yeah. I mean so Dracula had gone Contemporary, and yeah, then, and exactly. Then, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, shit. In other words, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it um, certainly moved far, far away from its gospel Yeah, readers. it did. Um, but this, this is exactly this is old yeah. school. So, so anyway, get back to my my point. I started so many something about hours ago. No, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Whereas his music, uh, look, if you look back on the earlier films, his music is very bam, 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 that kind of thing, and like, you know, his, his famous Dracula thing is, oh, bam, 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 and all that kind of stuff. In this film, the scores really, because I, uh, I didn't really notice it, but until the second time of watching it, the scores really quite understated and, and, and quite, quite subtle. It ramps up a little bit right near the end when the monsters gets out and he's sort of out in the graveyard tearing things up mm. and everything but he's um, but the music the rest of the time is quite subtle and there's some lovely touches in it like um, the scene where they've transplanted the brain the professor's brain into the into the creature and it, and, and, and it wakes up up and, and, and realises for the first time who he is and there's that bit that the Prowse does really well actually where he's looking at his hands and he's looking everything and he's looking you can see that sort of mm. slight confusion and distress on there and if you listen to the score during that bit there's um, a really kind of like very kind of down sounding violin piece in it that that kind of sounds very sad and very well, then, and, yes, yes. and of course the professor is a top violinist, is a top violinist. and, and yeah. so it's just and it's just really subtle little things like that and there's a few few bits like that and I really love that 
I love the fact it wasn't quite so in your face as they, they normally are. <laughs> it's, it's uh, not true. in a bad way in your face in a good way but yeah it's, it was much more subtle yeah I, I, I agree um, so I think this film is actually a lot better than its reputation suggests I think so as I, well I think, I, I don't, it wasn't it wasn't released properly was it it, no. it came out in 74 but it was made in 72 and yeah. I don't know I, I don't think. I mean, I, I think it was abandoned before it even came out, basically. Yeah. Because um, Hammer would have realised that people weren't interested. <laughs> they weren't going to go and see another Frankenstein film. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure why they made it, to be honest, um, because they had actually already stopped this and gone over to Ralph Bates, and they must. Yeah. Have, I mean, that must have been a tremendous failure in order to to get Peter Cushing yeah. back. But at the same time. They didn't really. There was no reason to get it. I mean, it's just a nice sort of valedictory kind of a, yeah, film. But it's kind of quite a nice sort of swan song to yeah, I think, the whole era, isn't it? I think I think so. But uh, and that's exactly what it is. Cause yeah. You, um, I mean, like Captain Kronos is a good film as well, um, yeah. which is also right at the end. And then that's, that's that. That is an attempt to do. That's not a swan that's song. That's the same sort of year, isn't it? it is, is that, well, is yeah, I think it, it, yes, and and. Uh, Yes, you're right, and, and and that's an attempt to do like action horror. That's an yeah. attempt to go off in another direction. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not really, yeah, it's it's not really a, a swan song. It's um, no, no. Um, and to the devil a daughter is. Uh, we'll get to that one day. Uh, that's a different kind of horror yeah. film. So this, this this kind of is the end. Yeah, really. I mean, yep. Legend of Seven Guns and Vampires also comes after this, but uh, yeah. But, I mean, it, but, it but that's actually that's actually that's, great fun, but it, yeah, it's not like a it's not a proper hammer film. No, is it? no, but it, but it <laughs> sort of yeah, this this just mark the end of that that whole gothic horror type thing. Yeah, and and, um, and I, I think <coughs> I think if people if you look at it on its own terms, it's just great. It's yeah. I mean, I think Frankenstein must be destroyed gets a lot of credit for being really good. This is probably as good. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen Frank Frank Summers be destroyed for a long time, but I, I suspect that this might be. I mean, that's good as well. I'm not, oh, not, not, not criticising it, <laughs> but I think. Well, I think I think you might, maybe that, that that if you watch all the Frankenstein films in order, that actually by the time you get to this one, you might have a little bit of Frankenstein fatigue. I'm sure that's actually what because it was. there's a lot a lot of a lot of them. I mean, they all revolve around the same sort of ideas, and um, they try and do slightly different things with them. Essentially, they're both very, very similar, and I can imagine that that you, by the time you get around to this one, that you're a bit like, oh, and then you, and then you miss out. I think you miss out on this. It, it's, it's it's a really good film, and I think you just it's it'd be it's easy to dismiss it as being you know See, uh, a bit uh, rubbish because it's the last one. Uh, when I watched it, it was one of the last Hammer films that that. That I hadn't seen, yeah. and I, I'd watched a lot of them in a short space of time, and I think I had that. I mean, it was like what, what was it, seventeen years that yeah. the British public got to the same point I'd got to in about two years, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah, but I never watched it again, and then um, for, for this um, for this podcast, I watched it twice yeah. this year, yeah. and I've loved it both times. Yeah. Me too. And actually, the first time I'd, I'd ever seen it, it was one of those Hammer films that I'd never seen until I went to the event back in May. Which must be fantastic to see Which it was the great, first time yeah. in the cinema. Well, yeah, not quite well, a cinema. So. <laughs> it was a Blu-ray made with a projector. <laughs> but it was, a, it, was, it was fairly, fairly large sort of screen mm. for the area. But yeah, no, it was just... And it was, uh, I, I kind of didn't have any expectations of it. In fact, if anything, I had bad expectations of it. Um, yeah, but some some sometimes you do unearth a gem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's incidentally, th- this is a bit of a bit of kind of personal trivia here. But okay, um, this is I always interest the people at home. It, it is, yeah. I'm all, often quite. Uh, I, I was quite fond of the bit where they're they're they they're cutting the 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 top of the the head of the professor's body off. And they've got the the saw and that, and I, and I remember that because that was um, 
on the on the cover of a book that I had when I was probably about sixteen or oh, so. Yeah. Uh, called um by by Alan Frank, I'm trying to remember what it was called now. I think it was called something like horror movies or something. But he he Alan Alan Frank wrote quite a few of these these books which were those books before the internet, which were, were a good resource, essential essential reference books, yeah. because these this stuff wasn't common knowledge. No, I mean, when, when we got our, our interest in these old British horror films, you you couldn't you couldn't Google them. No, no <laughs> and they weren't. I mean, and, and like your, your mates didn't know about them or anything, and they weren't. Yeah, it's not not, not like The Empire Strikes Back, is it? <laughs> I mean, Frankenstein the Monster from Hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I remember that. I remember yeah. that book very I'll, well. I'll dig it out and, and I'll post. I'll post the uh, cover on the on the Facebook page. I I, I had one um, with uh, it's called Classic Horror Films that had um, Freddy Krueger and Amanda Donahoe <laughs> in her leather white work yeah. persona <laughs> on the cover. I think and, I remember that. And yeah. that that was very useful for me as well. Because, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that had a lot of interesting horror films that I then sought out. And, yeah. And watched. Yeah, exactly. But it was quite. I always remember. I never. I think never seen this film, but I always remember that image because it was on the front of that book. Yeah, I mean, we one of the, one of these days we should do a review. Of the, uh, are, are there any of these films we still haven't seen? Some of the TV stuff we haven't seen. Yeah, it's good to go to that. But yeah, the films. I think. I, I think. I think there's one. There's classic here. There's one classic here that British film I haven't seen, which is um, because uh, I had I had a period where I think I got got fatigued by uh, with all, all these sort of films. I, I I kind of gave up watching them for a number of years. So um, yeah, I mean I got that too. Yeah, I got that too. But I think I got to the end. But, but I don't. I so there's, there's a, there are there are a few I think I I saw because I think I got to that before you did. There's there's a there's an anthology film called Tales of the Witness Madness I think or something like that. that okay. We'll have to do that. We'll have that. to track that down and do that at some point because <laughs> it is really nice when you haven't seen them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's do our questions. I think we've. Uh, I think we've. Okay. Right. So. This. It's been so long. I've forgotten what they are. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> Would you like five pounds? <laughs> That's not one of them. But yes, I'll have five pounds. <laughs> um, so, uh, did you did you like this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's brilliant. I liked, I, I liked I, it more than I expected. I, I I liked it a lot as well. I, um, again, yeah, I had no expectations of it. What about what about does it does it still hold up as a yes. as a horror film? Yes, because it actually is quite grisly, quite effective. I, th- I think some of the gruesome bits do. Do you, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. quite interesting watching this with a with a an audience, because they, they they a lot of people did kind of laugh at some of the more squelchy bits, but there was also a lot of. Ooh, and, uh. But that, that 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 happens in. I mean, that would happen if you went to see Science of the Labs. I mean. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> but, but it just that you know it, 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 they there was they still kind of it still managed to give that reaction. You know, even right. if it was a kind of, I mean, you know, uh, laughing at some of it. Essentially, the model shot is bad. But yeah. Every, everything else pretty much does stand up. Yeah. I mean, the the rubber mask, the lips don't move, but it's still good. I mean, I, I like yeah. I said, I didn't agree with Eddie that the monster was rubbish. I liked it that it was a new take on things. Yeah. Um, and the final question is: is was it scary? Yeah. No. Not, I don't think Frankenstein films are ever meant to be scary, are they? No. I, maybe, no, I mean, no, it's not scary. No. Um, it's basically not going to happen. So, <laughs> you, you're probably not going to be committed to an asylum and then murdered for body parts by Baron Frankenstein. No, no. I mean, all of the Frankenstein films, to a certain extent, are. I kind of, um, I guess, sort of a. What's what's the word? They're all slightly. Oh, I can't think of the right word. But they're not. They're not. I want to say satire, but they're not really satire, are they? But that they 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 
they're not necessarily meant to be. Well, I think Frankenstein's a par- scary as such. No, I think it's a parable. I think it, it's, yeah. it's about like man overreaching himself, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it's not scary. I tell you what, I'd love to know what we're going to do next time, Paul. Okay. Well, hopefully I've got it on DVD because that makes it much easier. I'm sure you have. Well, try um, me. I will try you. Right. Well, because it's getting a bit autumny now, and there's uh, you know, it's that stage where getting around sort of harvest time and stuff. I thought we'd try a little bit of what what the cool kids are calling uh, folk horror. Folk horror, yeah. So I thought we'd start with Witchfinder General. Classic place to start. And in my DVD collection. And mine too. Excellent. Um, Including the dodgy uh, heavy metal song as one of the extras. And I think there's a documentary about Michael Reeves on there as well. There might be, yeah. I'll probably watch that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, and if you so if you want to contact us about anything, um, the direct abuse at Chris for his I'm not a misogynist <laughs> sexism earlier <laughs> on, or, or, or agree with him, um, then, then you can contact us on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash very British horror, on Twitter um, at very Brit, um, very Brit horror, on Twitter. Or email us at verybritishhorror at gmail.com. And very soon as well, we're going to be relaunching. When we first started out, we had a blog which we didn't really keep up too well. So uh, towards the end of the month, I'm looking to relaunch that as well. So there'll be stuff on there. And um, again, if you have any interest in, in submitting anything that you might think we might might like to put on the blog, uh could be whatever you want, a bit of fan fiction, reviews. Pro Adventures of Simon Helder. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, if you want to do that. Or, or, or any other, if you've got particularly cool memorabilia that you want to take a photo of to put on there, anything like that, then again, if you email uh, a very British horror at gmail.com, we'll have a look at it and, and consider popping it up on the on the blog. Um, but yeah, that's 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 us for for now, I think. So, um, well, I've been Chris Denton, uh, and I'm I'm still Paul Monk. You didn't even remember. You can't even remember what I you say now. What I say it's so long. We've, we've had a we've had a long summer break. I can't remember what we do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll remember for next. We'll time. remember for next time. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.